Our scripture reading today is from Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, and I'll begin with verse 18. I'm using the modern English version. When he entered the boat, he who had been possessed with the demons prayed him that he might be with him. Jesus did not let him, but said unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how that he has compassion for you. So he departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Let us pray. My dear Father in heaven, we want to pause now and just reflect on how wonderful a God we serve. We're reminded as things start to bloom and we have good weather ahead of us, the beauty of your creation and you brought it all into existence with just a single word and we are in awe of your greatness. We read in your word that where two or three are gathered, you are in our midst, and we are truly humbled by our Creator being with us this morning. And we focus our minds on worship of you as we sing, as we pray, as we engage in the Lord's Supper. We pray that our minds will be focused on you and that we will truly worship you in spirit and truth. Pray that everything we do here this morning will be pleasing to you. <clears throat> we pray especially for uh, the Ukraine this morning, Father. We pray that you would act. We pray that you would intervene in a way that would help people to know that you are God and you are in control. We pray that you would protect those people, that you would use your church effectively to uh, both spread your kingdom but also bring relief and comfort to those people uh, as only you can. We pray that <clears throat> as we continue this morning that you would be with Andy as he brings a message this morning. Pray that you would uh, guide his mind, guide his words, and be with us as we listen. Help us to reflect and really look for opportunities to grow and continue to spread your word uh, here. We ask that... You be with those uh, of our number. Many of them have been lifted up by name in classes this morning, as well as uh, privately, and, and you know each of their needs. And we pray that you would uh, be with them and continue to heal, to continue to comfort as, as you do. We pray that uh, a special prayer of thanks for Christ. 
He is the reason that we gather here this morning. He is the reason for our hope, his sacrifice, and his beautiful example of submitting ultimately to your will and making, uh, making that an option and, and uh, paying the price for, for us ultimately. We ask that you again would be with us throughout the remainder of this service. Christ's name, amen. If you're using your hymn book, you can mark number 454 um, as the invitation song after Andy's lesson. Uh, 454, Nothing But the Blood, we'll sing as a song of encouragement. And um, also now, before Andy's lesson, we're going to sing number 283 in the book. Uh, I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, let's stand again uh, as we sing the song and then Andy will bring our lesson. Now, as Courtney reminded me, this, this may not be your usual version of I know that my Redeemer lives. Uh, I, I've not let it here before, but I've not let, led many relatively speaking to me songs here yet so by the third verse we'll figure it out okay i know that my redeemer lives and living cares for me i know eternal life he gives and gave on calvary Oh, twas wonderful, wonderful love that brought him from heaven above as a ransom to die on the tree as save a poor sinner like me. I know the promise cannot fail, the hour is drawing nigh. Though cruel death my flesh assail, my soul shall never die. Oh, twas wonderful, wonderful love that brought him from heaven above as a ransom to die on the tree to save a poor sinner like me. I know my mansion he prepares beside the crystal sea, that where he lives and loves and cares, there I may ever be. Oh, twas wonderful, wonderful love that brought him from heaven above as a ransom to die on the tree to save a poor sinner like me. Good.
Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I'm glad that we can be here together to worship God. J.A. family, it's so, always so good to see you. Glad that we can be here together. I know we've got about 30 who are over in Gatlinburg on our teen retreat, so uh, we're certainly hoping that they have a wonderful day of worship, morning of worship, and we'll get to see them again sometime soon. If you are uh, visiting with us, thank you. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. You are our honored guest. Welcome into uh, our fellowship. Welcome into this time that we are spending together. Uh, We hope that what we have done so far, most importantly, has been glorifying to God, but we hope it is something that has been beneficial for you as well. If you have questions about what we're doing or why we're doing things, uh, we want to talk to you about those things. This morning, if you're here and, and you're not a believer, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, We are glad that you are here, and we hope to have the opportunity to get to know you better and to tell you why we believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God and why he is our Lord and our Savior. You've picked a good time to be here. J.A. family, yes, you've picked a good time to be here. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what we really want to focus on as a congregation. So we've been pretty clear about some things that we want to do, some some ways that we want to think, some ways that we want to approach our life as individuals and as a congregation. We've been talking about the focus on the Great Commission and the Great Commands. And in short, we want to be and we are striving to be people, people who love God, love others, are disciples of Christ, and are making disciples of Christ. Now this morning, I think we can realize as a church family here that of those four things or so, two of them are are pretty easy, uh, pretty natural uh, to to love God or at least to to claim to love God at the very least and to be disciples, to claim and to take great comfort in the fact that we are Christians is something that comes fairly easy to us, comes fairly standard to us. Really, in any church body, you're going to have people who at the very least, even if they're just going through the motions, they claim that they love God and they claim that they are Christians or disciples of Christ. Those are easy things. Those are insular things. We're we're insulated and we're secure in those things. Of those four things, the harder ones are to love others and to go and make disciples. And we've been talking about and trying to think about how do we do that? How do we make sure that that we as as a group of believers, as the family that meets here at Jefferson Avenue, how do we make sure that we love others and that we go and make disciples. And over this, this next month or so, we've got lots of opportunities for you to do that. It's already been mentioned, but we've got the Spring Fling uh, next Sunday uh, where we're going to have an opportunity to, to really recognize our visitors, and especially if you have uh, grandkids or friends or, or little kids around you anyway, somebody, anybody who might like to go on an Easter egg hunt tomorrow, or not tomorrow, the next Sunday is a great time to invite them. I hope that you will, and I hope that you're going to participate in that. Remember, Rachel wants me to remind you, sign up up, sign up, sign up, because if you don't, we won't know you're coming. Uh, So make sure that you do that and get that done as quickly as possible. Uh, But we also have other great opportunities, more than just an egg hunt. Egg egg hunts are great, and that's the kids are going to have a great time running around, and then we're going to send them all sugared up home with you parents. You're welcome, right? You're excited about it, I know. But we have more important things than that. Uh, Of course, the next Sunday, the 17th of this month is Easter, where where people who who don't ever think about God are going to be thinking about God. And you need to be there to invite them to come and think about God with us. We want to think about who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and what that means in our life. So I hope you'll take the opportunity uh, that the world is going to be thinking about it. They're going to have their minds shifted in that direction. I hope you'll take that opportunity. But then maybe, in my opinion, 
the most important foundational thing that we're going to do this month, I think, if, if Lord willing, if God gives us the opportunity, is we have on April 23rd and 24th, towards the very end of the month, we're going to have the Love Where You Live weekend, uh, where we are going to, we're going to leave this place. I love coming together here with you and worshiping with you and being with you and having Bible classes with you and hanging out over in the gym, the fellowship center with you. I, I love all those things, but there are people out there who need to know what we know. So the Love Where You Live weekend is, there, there are right outside these doors in this hallway uh, on our project board, there are eight service projects that I need you to sign up for. Eight, eight groups of people that we have said, hey, we're going to come either on a Saturday, April 23rd or Sunday, April 24th, and we're going to serve you. We're going to do all kinds of different things. So there's, there's details and the sign-up lists are out there. I hope that you will sign up in such a way that we'll have to come up with eight more service projects. We'll have to, we'll have to have find room to put you and plug you in to something that you are passionate about. We're going to let people know in our community that we love God and that we love them and that we are disciples of Christ, people who are striving to follow Christ the best of our ability and we want them to come along and follow Christ with us. Now this morning when we think about people who are not Christians yet, especially people who are unchurched, who are unfamiliar with the idea of our faith, if we're going to get them to become Christians, we're going to have to answer some questions. Those, those same questions that your English teacher taught you to, to answer when you were writing a paper. The who, the what, the when, the where, and maybe the most important question, the why. Why should I follow Jesus? And this morning's lesson is going to answer the, the other question that comes along with that sometime. How do we do that? If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible this morning uh, you want to use, and you want to use the, the Pew Bible in front of you, that's on page 840. Um, Mark chapter 5 starts on page 840. So if you're using that Pew Bible, go ahead and grab there and turn to that page. Uh, otherwise, turn in your Bible uh, to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read about a story about a man who was uh, so excited about something. When was the last time you were excited about something? Maybe, maybe you watched that Duke-UNC game last night and you're a big North Carolina fan. Well, you would have been super pumped to send Coach K out into retirement with a loss to the North Carolina Tar Heels, okay? I don't really like the Tar Heels, but if that's you, you'd be excited about it, all right? Uh, maybe it was the last time you watched a game when, when, when Tennessee won a game, okay? That hasn't been too long from now, right? They did pretty good this year. Uh, maybe it was any, any number of other things, a vacation that you went on. Uh, maybe you have, have a new baby. Maybe you've got a new job. Something exciting has happened. What do you do when something is exciting to you? Well, you talk about it, don't you? And you talk about it, and you talk about it, and you talk about it, and the people that you talk about it kind of get annoyed because you're talking about it too much, all right? Well, in Mark chapter 5, we read about a man who is so excited about something that he wants to leave everything behind and get in a boat and go with Jesus and be with Jesus. And what do you have to do? What kind of person do you have to be? What kind of opportunities do you have to have for Jesus, for you to say that to Jesus? Jesus, I just want to be with you. And for Jesus to turn and say, no. What's going on? Why would Jesus tell this man who's so excited about being a follower of Jesus, why would Jesus tell him no? Mark chapter 5. Let's read this passage. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, they, this is Jesus and some of his apostles and some other folks, uh, they came to the other side of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, into the country of the Gerizines. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Well, let's stop a little bit. I'm going to give you a lot of details about what's going on in this passage, but there's really only one point, but we won't get to the point till the end. So I'm sorry, you have to pay attention the entire time, okay? All right, so he, he gets in a boat on one side of the Sea of Galilee, where mostly where the Jews would have been, and he goes to the other side of the Sea of, sea of Galilee, where the Gerizines live, okay? 
This is an area known as the Decapolis. Okay, Decapolis is a, a region of 10 cities, most of whom the vast majority of these people are not Jewish by their lineage, uh, and, and certainly a vast majority of them are not Jewish religiously. Okay, They know about it because it's just on the other side of this relatively small sea, more like a lake that we would think of. So they know about Judaism. They know about the God of the Hebrews. They, they know about all these things, but they're not, they're not into it. Okay, they're, they're not believers in it. They're not followers in it. Uh, but we also see that you know, if we just go back to chapter 4, this isn't a normal crossing of the sea, right? This is the time when, when Jesus and his disciples, his apostles, uh, and, and many others in, in various boats, they're going across the sea. And what happens? Remember, there's this big storm. And what's Jesus doing? He's asleep. And they come to him and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus shows his power. And this is significant and it's important because Jesus is going to do something that, that probably a lot of the Jews that are with him aren't going to be too crazy about here in just a minute, okay? He gets up. He asked them, why are you so worried? Don't you have faith? And then he says those famous words that have been said in various ways, but he looks at the wind and he looks at the waves and he looks at the sea and he says, peace, be still. And you remember that even the apostles, those who have been following him day after day after day for years, they are amazed and they say, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey his will? And then they get to the other side of the sea and they get out of the boat. And it says, immediately a man from the tombs, we'll talk about that more in a minute, comes and meets him. Look at verse 3 of Matthew, or Mark chapter 5. And he, this, this man, uh, had his dwelling among the tombs, and, he was, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Can you believe a story like this is in the Bible? Can you believe a story like, like, like there, there's this storm and Jesus says, peace be still, and the and the waters just become perfectly calm. There's amazing stories in the Bible. I hope you'll take the time to read it sometime and come across these amazing stories. But this guy that we're going to talk about now, we don't even know his name. We're, we're not told his name in the Bible. But we are amazed and, and confused and, and struggle with and in awe of and, and really would, would not want to have anything to do with the type of life he's living. This man, it says he has an unclean spirit. He's got a He's got a demon, and I'll, I'll stand before you this morning, and I will say, I do not understand everything that occurred with demon possession. I, didn't, I don't understand it. But let me tell you what, what this demon, that this man, what that demon did to him. In Luke's account, we found out, first of all, he's naked. Can you believe this is in the Bible? So this naked man, who's living among the tombs, he's living where dead people are buried, he is so strong, he's got superhuman strength that when people bind him with chains, he just tears them apart. When they put metal shackles on his hands, he rips them to pieces. There's no one strong enough to subdue him. No one can hold him down any longer to, to calm him down or to do anything. He has superhuman strength. We would think, man, that's pretty cool. Oh, but by the way, he's kind of crazy too, right? Because night and day, he's in the tombs and running around the mountains and he's constantly screaming. If I were to do that to express to you or to show you what that looked like, you would think I'm crazy, right? Because people don't just walk around, run around screaming naked. And this man comes to Jesus. Talk about the way you dress for worship. 
right? This guy knows who Jesus is. We'll find that in just a minute. This guy knows who Jesus is. He runs to him naked and screaming and with gashes and bruises all over himself because he's constantly beating himself with rocks and gnashing himself. And he runs up to Jesus. And let's keep reading it and know what he says, starting in verse 6. Seeing Jesus from a distance. So even from a distance, this guy with this demon knows who Jesus is. He ran up and bowed down to him and shouting with a loud voice. He said, what business do we have with each other? Jesus, the son of the most high God, I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Jesus had been saying to this man with the demon, come out of him, you unclean spirit. He says, Jesus is basically saying to the demon within this man, leave him alone. Verse nine, and he was asking him, Jesus was asking the man, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out into the country. So, again, this is a weird story. If you were there that day, your mouth would have constantly been hung open in shock. You would not have understood what is going on. What's the strangest situation you've ever been in? This was just as strange, if not stranger. A man, Jesus, who has just stormed or stilled the sea. A man, Jesus, who has been, had large crowds follow with him and he's, he's taught God's word and he's taught with authority and, and people look up to him. They call him a rabbi. They call him a teacher. They're, they're, this is a, a religious man, a good man, a kind man. And then all of a sudden this naked guy yelling and screaming, bloody and beaten, comes to Jesus and says, what do we have to do with each other? Jesus, son of the most high God, he knows who he is. And he lives in a place where they might have heard about Judaism. Maybe they've heard about Jesus. But somehow this man who's been living in tombs for years knows who Jesus is, seeing him from a distance. This is a weird story. This is strange. And if you were there, you would have been and thought that it was strange as well. In verses 11 through 13, we won't take the time to, to read those, probably fairly familiar to, to some of us, but this legion, okay, so there's, there are many demons within this man, many demons, so they call themselves legion. Again, a whole other strange thing going on here. Uh, they, they beg Jesus, hey, Jesus, don't send us out into the country. And what exactly does that mean? I don't know. Uh, there may be a potential for some, some spiritual uh, realms that are being talked about here. Country just means open spaces. So, so there's some stuff there, but that's not the point, so we're not going to focus on it. But he says, hey, don't, don't send me out where I don't want to go. Instead, hey, you see those pigs over there? Send me into those pigs. Now, context clues, this tells us we're not in a Jewish neighborhood, right? Why? Pigs are unclean to the Jewish nation. So they wouldn't be pig herders. Okay, so these are Gentiles. These are people who are, are not Jewish religiously. Again, they know about Judaism, but they're not Jewish. Now, you, you, you've probably heard this story before. Maybe you know the, 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 the significance of this, but this isn't a few pigs. You know, this isn't, you know, you've maybe been to a petting zoo where there's five or ten pigs, and you're like, man, those, those are, that's a lot of pigs. There are 2,000 pigs on this, country, on this mountainside. And Jesus, again, in a part of the story that I don't really understand a whole lot, for whatever reason, legion, this, this group of demons says, hey, send us into the pigs. And Jesus says, okay, I'll send you into the pigs. He sends them into the pigs. And again, in a weird part of this story that I don't really know why it happens, this group of 2,000 pigs runs down the hill into the Sea of Galilee and drown themselves. What in the world is going on? I do not know. 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why God included that detail in the story, but in the book of Mark, we know this is a, one of, of, of four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that, that are accounts of Jesus' life. Mark is a friend of Peter, maybe a relative of Peter, so he's probably getting this, this eyewitness testimony from Peter, a man who walked with Jesus day by day. So Peter tells Mark, Mark tells us, this is what happened, and it's weird, and it's strange. And you know what happens after that? Let's, let's read. Uh, starting in verse 14. The herdsmen, the people who were in charge of these pigs, they ran away. Well, you probably would too. And reported it into the city and the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down and clothed in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, all about the pigs. In verse 17, here's their reaction. And they, the people of the city, the people of the country, everyone who, who heard about something crazy going on and they wanted to go and see what had happened. And, and just imagine there are pig corpses floating in the Sea of Galilee. Those are some of the things they're seeing. Weird stuff. Verse 17, and they began to implore him, to beg him, to plead with him to leave their region. They said, Jesus, you got to go. Jesus, get out of here. Jesus, this is, this is too much for us. This is too strange for us. Will you please just leave? Here's my, here's my thought. I think the herdsmen, I think the people from the city, I think the people from the country, they got distracted by the pigs. They got distracted by the demons. They got distracted by the weirdness of this story. And what I want to encourage you today is don't get distracted by the weirdness of the story. Don't get distracted by these 2,000 pigs that you can see in your mind running down this hill into the Sea of Galilee. It's a vivid picture and it's something to think about, but don't get distracted by that. There seems to be only one person maybe who wasn't distracted. Look at verses 18 and 19. As Jesus was getting into the boat, The man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him, begging him, pleading with him that he might accompany him. That word accompany, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. The word accompany says he's begging him, he's pleading with him, he wants to be with Jesus. That's all the word accompany means, to be with Jesus. And again, you would think that someone who would beg and plead and want and desire to be with Jesus that Jesus would say yeah come on let's go we got work to do let's go but Jesus tells him no Jesus says in verse 19 and he got he did not let him and said to him go go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you and then we read in verse 20 And he, this demon-possessed man, we don't even know his name. We can't call him Legion anymore. He wouldn't want to be called Legion because that was a time in his life when these demons were in him. We don't even know his name. But this man went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to remember. Here's what I want you to take with you. And, And we think about loving God, loving others, being disciples, and making disciples. If that's who we are, and that's, that is who we are, that's who we're striving to be, we want to leave this place. I'm glad you're here, but there's people out there that need you. There's people out there who need Jesus, and you know enough about Jesus. Sometimes I think that's our biggest fear. What am I going to say? 
What am I going to say to people? How, how, what, do I, what do I tell people? What words do I use? How, how do I have a Bible study? All these things. Listen to me. This man who used to be called Legion, he lived in a place where they knew about Judaism, but they weren't Jewish. They might have heard about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. And what does Jesus tell him? No, don't follow me and, and learn more and, and come along and listen to my teaching. He says, no, you go and you tell people what I have done for you. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn more. We need to know more. We need to study God's word so that we can know God better. But what we really need to do when we think about go and making disciples is we need to be able to express what has God done for you. How has God made a difference in your life? Spiritually, emotionally, socially, in every part of your life, how has Jesus made a difference? This man who used to be called Legion, he goes and he does this, and everyone, and notice he, he, doesn't, just, he doesn't just stay in his hometown, he goes to the Decapolis, he goes to, to all ten of the cities, he's going around to anywhere and everywhere, to people who would listen to him. Remember when you were excited, and you were talking about it, and you were talking about it, and you were talking about it, and you wouldn't be quiet about it, and you annoyed people? That's probably what this guy did. He's going everywhere and anywhere and all the time, and he's talking about it and talking about it, and maybe they get tired of him in one city, he says, okay, I'll leave here, and he goes to the next city, he goes to ten different cities. He goes all around his entire region and he tells people about Jesus. Now, the next time Jesus leaves, right? Remember, Jesus didn't let him get in the boat, but Jesus leaves and he goes back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He goes back to the more Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. The next time that we see Jesus in this area is in Mark chapter 7. Turn over there. Mark chapter 7. Just a couple pages over. Starting in verse 31. It says there, again, he, Jesus, went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon and the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. He comes back to this same place that we only have record of him being there once before. And that one time was with, when he healed Legion or cast Legion out of this man. What's going to happen here in, in Mark chapter 7 is he's going to have one interaction with people. And then very shortly after that, starting in, in chapter 8, in that area, in the Decapolis, what's Jesus going to do? He's going to feed 4,000 people who have been with him constantly for three days. They have been following him constantly. These are people from the Decapolis, not from the other side of the sea. These are people that are not Jewish. These are people who are not religious in the same way that Jesus was religious, who know about it but aren't, aren't, aren't the same religion. But they have been following him constantly for three days. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Hey, we got to feed these people. And then, of course, he performs a miracle. But what's the point? How did 4,000 people in a place that didn't, wasn't Jewish and didn't know about Jesus, how did they know about Jesus? Jesus? Potentially. Because a man who used to be named Legion went throughout the entire area and told them what Jesus had done for him. How are we going to be a church that reaches the unchurched? How are we going to be people who bring the lost to Christ? Probably the same way that man who used to be named Legion did. Go and tell people what Jesus has done for you. Now this morning, if you don't know what you would say, well, that's your challenge. I would vehemently and strongly challenge you today to think about what has Jesus done for me? And how can I tell other people about that?
Because there are people in this world who need to know what difference Jesus has made in your life. And that will pique their interest so that they'll want to know more. And maybe they'll come to this place or they'll come to some other gathering of, of Christians and they'll want to know more about Jesus. And maybe they still won't be believers. They won't be to that point yet. But they'll, their interest will be piqued and then we'll be able to show them that we care for them and that we love them. We love God. We love others. We're disciples. And hey, if you want to have a life that's full of peace, even in the midst of turmoil, if you want to have a life that's full of love, even in the midst of hate, if you want to have a life that's full of the peace that passes understanding and joy and happiness, even in the midst of of difficulty and trial and tribulation that's what Jesus has done for me when bad things have happened in my life you can say the very same thing when bad things have happened in my life I've been able to say yes I don't like this I wish I wasn't here but I trust and I know that God will take me through it you know that you may not know but I love the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the Old Testament. I love their faith. I want the kind of faith that those men had. Because when they're threatened with death, they have such a faith in God. God has helped them in so many ways before they reach this point that they're able to say to the most powerful man in the world and say to his face, we believe that God can deliver us. We trust that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, He is still God. And we're still his followers. Do you have a story? Yes, you do. Figure out what it is and tell everybody. Drive people crazy like the man who used to be named Legion. People need to know the story of Jesus Christ. They need to know the story of Jesus Christ in your life. And they need to know the story of Jesus Christ in this world. And we're the only people who know it as Christians and can share the gospel with a lost world. Let's pray. God, you are holy and mighty and good. And we fall short of your glory daily. But we're amazed by your love for us. We have seen it in action and we have seen it in teaching. We have seen it in our lives and the lives of those around us. And Lord, we know that there are people in our neighborhood, at our jobs, in our schools, in our family, even in this place this morning, who desperately need the forgiveness of their sins, the hope of heaven, and the joy that comes from recognizing that there are things that are more important than the here and now. And there's a blessed home in heaven waiting for those who follow Jesus. Lord, help us to figure out what is our story. And help us to tell everybody who will listen. God, forgive us when we fail because, Lord, we're not perfect. But, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust that you will make us exactly who we need to be. And that you'll use us for your glory. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his story, which saves our souls. As we strive to follow him daily. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, I follow Jesus because I believe the words of the Bible, the eyewitness testimonies, the prophecy that's fulfilled, all the truth that I believe is in this this word based on a lot of history and a lot of eyewitness testimony. I believe Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. Uh, And he's blessed my life in immense ways. I'd love to sit down with you and talk to you about that. 
If you are a believer, but you're not a Christian yet, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, then you may know what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is that resurrected Son of God. You've got to confess that with your mouth. He's going to be my Lord. I'm going to allow him to be the ruler of my life. You submit to baptism where all your sins are washed away, and you strive your best, not perfectly, but faithfully, to follow Jesus every single day. If you want to become a Christian this morning, we want to help you do that you want to talk more about who this Jesus guy is, we want to help you with that. Most of us here, the vast majority, you're a disciple of Christ. You're a Christian. Figure out your story and share it with everyone. If you need any help with anything this morning, we're going to sing a song here in just a second. If you want to come forward and let us know, we'll pray for you right here, right now. If you want to let us know afterwards, do that. But if you have something you need help with, get with a fellow Christian and let us help each other on our journey towards heaven. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.